Rock music has dozens of subgenres, but very few bands stick with the tried-and-true style of straight-up rock and roll. The Antidote is here with Keaton Kaufman of the 71s. Keaton, thanks for joining The Antidote. It's a pleasure to be here, Dave. Thanks for having me. Tell us about the roots of the 71s. How did the band connect? Well, it came out of a need in my life to write um, material that really wasn't suitable for um, the kind of worship that my local church was doing on a Sunday morning here in Texas. Typically, the music that they would play is is a little bit more uh, what's now a worship genre. You know, Chris Tomlin or Dave Crowder band. And I just felt the need to, to write something that talked about God, talked to God, talked about the things of God, um, paint some spiritual realities, but wasn't really geared toward that, you know, venue. And the venues that we ended up playing in, that the 71s ended up playing in, which are mostly indie rock clubs in the south of the U.S., um, it just kind of came out of our sound. We ended up sounding a lot like Foo Fighters or Pearl Jam. The band started, you know, with that. And then, and yeah, and along the way, I just kind of met a group of guys that sort of believed in the music, starting with the guitar player. His name's Ryan Cecil. He, he's now a producer, and he's made most of our records, produced them at his home studio and a studio in Dallas. And then we met these two brothers through playing worship music, and um, their names are Jacob and Tank. And they play bass and drums in the band. And so that kind of happened about four years ago. And then the band sort of took shape over the past, I guess, two years is when we really started getting, I would call it good. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's how it happened. So you weren't really into recording hymns with a pipe organ. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Well, it, you know, to be honest with you, that sound is actually not something I stray from. And especially the writing. I think the old hymns... You know, the writing's incredible. Um, it's more of the modern worship. Um, and when I mean modern, I mean like that of the last decade that I, I find it very, um, the word I want to use is one-dimensional. It's like a greeting card sometimes is how I feel about the music. And so, I, you know, I don't really gravitate toward it. It's not something that the Holy Spirit's really used in my life to, to connect with me. I'm not saying that it's not awesome. It just wasn't my thing, and it drove me to do something else. Do you find that Christian artists are performing music where they're at the top? They're on the mountaintop, everything's happy, joyful, and they're not singing songs from the valley where things are a struggle or there's strife in their life? You know, I can't speak for Christian music like as a whole, but I do know in my local community and on the radio station here in Houston, Texas, it is a very positive, uplifting thing and I don't really understand that. I don't feel that emotion very much in my life. You know, I, I feel a lot of melancholy and a lot of tension and a lot of struggle. And I really gravitated as a young person toward Bruce Springsteen. I just felt like, you know, he really was writing about stuff that, at least emotions that connected with me. Although I never worked in a factory in New Jersey, like, you know, I just that felt real to me. So, yeah, I agree. I, I don't really want to say you know, in general, you know, because I know that there are a lot of artists out there, but what is sort of played on Sunday morning, yeah, and I don't know why. I want to say is I think Christians in, in large churches are kind of afraid of scaring people away with emotions that aren't, hey, you know, life's okay, and everything's going to be great, and 
God's in control. And, you know, all that's true. But man, you know, if you read the scriptures, like his people go through some serious stuff is the nice word for it. Well, let's talk about your music. The 71's music seems to step right out of the 80s, but you make it sound fresh. Is that legitimate to say that, that you've given the band a bit of an 80s rock vibe? Wow, I, I, I guess so. I never really thought about it like that. I think that just comes from how much I love. Probably all my favorite records come from the 80s, like whether it's Tom Petty's records in the 80s or Fleetwood Mac or U2 or Springsteen. I listen to a lot of 80s music, so I don't really intend for that to happen. You know, most of the music that I discovered as my first music you know, I'm a little over 30, so, you know, the 90s were big for me. You know, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Green Day, all those 90s bands is what I grew up on. So I always figured that we sounded more like those bands. But now that you mention it, I, I mean, I get that a lot. So I, I think that's a good thing. I think there's a lot of good music in the 80s. So I'll take that. Well, maybe that's just because you're speaking with an old person. <laughs> well, I'm right behind you. <laughs> Man, I've got 20 years plus on you. You know, it's like Keith Richards says, the older you get, the older you want to get. So there you go. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I think I played a lot of music in my 20s thinking I was great. And in my 30s, figuring out how I might be able to become better. Like that's what shifted for me. So who knows what my 40s, maybe my 40s, I'll actually be good. As you mentioned before about Springsteen, you become older, but you're still producing music that's viable, that's current, and still has that edge. Golly, that guy, is, he's pretty incredible. I didn't really enjoy his Wrecking Ball record that came out, but he's had a lot of records I didn't love, and more of them that I do. So, yeah, I don't know. You know, in, in his quote about the E Street Band, is he says, you know, there will be no final tour the E Street Band goes until it stops. And I always thought that was awesome. Like, just run the train out of fuel, leave the keys in the ignition, you know, walk away. That's just, I love that. You know, I think that's great. Do you hope that's going to be the same thing for the 71s? Well, you know, I don't know. I try not to make plans. I know that sounds kind of strange, but... You know, there's no way of like, okay, I'm going to make the team or, you know, if I can just get this done, then someone will sign me and put a million dollars, you know, literally uh, behind my music. Um, Or at least if that happens, it's so far down your career that, you know, I just try to work as hard as I can to stay authentic and write great songs. And I mean, as hokey as it sounds like, just let the Lord sort of take those songs out wherever he wants to and if that's with the 71s, then I'm completely content to do that. But, you know, if uh, if it's not, that's okay, too, you know. I'm actually taking a little bit of a hiatus from the band. I'm working on a solo record that's it's just a little different in sound. It's a little folkier, a little more stripped down, and I wanted to write some songs without the, the end in mind being a rock record. So, so yeah, I'm I'm not really saying, you know, oh, I'm quitting the band or, oh, the band will go on forever. But I try to base everything I do around the songs themselves instead of base the songs around the act. But I hope to be doing it till the day I die. Tell me about the band name, The 71s. Whenever I hear a seven in a band's name, it takes me back to the 80s, early 90s with the band The 77s. But 
how did you come up with your band name and what does it mean? I remember those guys too. Um, well, it honestly just came from there's a highway that connected me and the guy who helped start the band named Ryan, the guitar player, um, in you know Texas capital, which is Austin, and then a little south and a little east is Houston. You know, it's a good 200 miles or so, and, and the way the band started was Ryan just, he would drive down this highway to get to my place, and we tried to make music in the time we had, then he'd have to go back to Austin. So it was a bit of a commuter thing, and... I just really, you know, saw it as a huge gesture of loyalty and initiative. And so I kind of wanted to name the band after the fact that he was, you know, extending himself so much to try and help us get off the ground. So we named it after the highway. Is the 71s a party band? Are you guys out to have some fun? You know, I think everyone in the band is so different. It's a lot like a family. The brothers are definitely crazy. (laughs) I mean, like, you know, they're loud and love having a beer. And Ryan and I are a little more lame, I guess is the best word. And, you know, and when it comes to me, like, I play the music, but my greatest joy in life is songs. And so I'm probably a lot quieter than the other guys would like. Even though I may be loud and I jump around on stage all the time, you know, when the show's over, it's back to me and my journal and sitting down and thinking and, you know, reading good books or watching movies and and just sort of letting new songs kind of incubate within me. So I'm sort of, in a way, kind of like an anti-rock star frontman of a rock band. So, And it, it pulls us apart. There's shows that Jacob would be like, man, you know, we should have been way crazier and and then there's shows I'm like, hey, why don't, why don't you guys let me play my acoustic guitar on this song and <laughs> not be so loud? And they're like, no, we're a rock band. We don't do that. You know, so yeah, it's, there's a lot of uh, polarity for sure in the band. I saw the music video you shot for Start Again, which was off your We Are Locomotive album. And it's awesome. Can you fill us in on the details how that video came about? Oh, sure. It was honestly... You know, we didn't intend to make a video that night. I have a friend who is a pretty successful cameraman. He shoots a television show called Storage Wars. This was years ago, actually, though, so he wasn't on that show, but he was coming off this show, and he had a really, really nice camera. And he said, hey, I've got this camera package. Before I need to turn it in, you know, do you want to go make a video tonight? And I said, well, the band's all out of town, and it's just me, you know. And he said, well, you know, you want to go? And I said, yeah, you know, the only thing I can think to do, though, is, you know, it's 11 o'clock p.m., so the only thing open is Walmart. And he's like, well, let's just go in Walmart and shoot you sort of rocking out to this song and see what happens. So we sneak this camera in in my vintage Telecaster. I don't know how we got it past the people. They just let us in. And, and sure enough, we hit play on the, I think we had his, like, iPhone taped to the camera. And uh, I just started lip syncing and <laughs> putting on a show in Walmart, and he just filmed it. And as we walked through, people kind of jumped in. And and then by the time we got to the end of the song, security kicked us out. And when we get home, you know, we just had this one take of the song, and it was perfect. And we're like, great. And, you know, it looked good, so we just put it on YouTube, and, and that was it. Pretty easy music video. <laughs> yeah, you know, zero dollars, it was nice, you know. <laughs> cost a couple couple miles in gasoline that's about it 
being a Christian artist can be a tough sell to the general public. Non-Christians may think that the only purpose of the band is to try and convert them. How do the 71s react to this? Well, you know, it differs in the band quite a bit. I'm kind of the mouthpiece of the band. And so I try not to speak for like, well, this is what the 71s believe. I mean, there's not any real dispute about God or anything like that within the band. But, you know, it just puts the guys in a weird situation. Some of them just want to get up there and just want to play the bass. You know, why do we got to make it about, you know, religion and everything? You know, whereas me, you know, I love getting off stage and having conversations about whatever, you know. Um, So I try to not speak for the band. I just say, well, this is, you know, what I believe. But there's a lot of liberal press in Houston that really likes our music. And so when they first started talking to us and getting to know us, they would just say, well, you know, tell us about life as a Christian man. And really my, my response is always just like, well, what's a Christian man? You know, and depending on what someone says, I, you know, we talk. But most people's reaction is, you know, they kind of go, uh, well, I guess I don't know. They play at churches. I go, well, well then we're not a Christian man because we don't play at churches. So they go, well, it's a band who believes in God and preaches his word. I'm like, well, I don't do that. It's more about I try to understand exactly what someone is thinking I am before I say, yes, that's what I am. You know, because the term, just like you said, Christian band, I mean, it, you know, is that DC talk or is that like Petra or <laughs> is that like Pedro the Lion? You know, I mean, there's a lot of differentiating in between belief systems. And so that's kind of how I like to handle it. I think what you're asking, though, is what what's it like? Uh, you know, I don't really see it. You know, I go to a club and play a rock show and I go get my oil changed and I do my taxes and go buy groceries. And I'm a Christian at all those places. And you know, it's really no different. I try to avoid, personally, temptation, where temptation, you know, tends to pop up. That doesn't really happen at a club very much, so I don't really, you know, avoid alcohol or strangers or whatever. That's pretty much the only thing that dictates sort of how I live my life differently. I'm not sort of avoiding this situation or trying to put up this kind of platform in a different situation. I just, I just try to be a real person, and truth comes out, and that's, I'm sure, the way God wants it to be. Meaning it's just a natural thing. Yeah, I try to let it be. Where I would fall in those people is, you know, I'm both. I've met a lot of people who try to use music as a way of displaying God, or at least what they think God is, to other people. And that's sort of your typical Christian artist. We're going to sort of say these things and write songs a certain way, and that way people will clearly understand our message. And then there are, you know, other people, like you mentioned, who, yes, they are Christians, but they're more concerned with the art form of music. And it's not really a religious agenda. You know, and I, I guess for me, I think I'm entirely both. I'm not strategic about the way I try to persuade people to know God. I feel like God wants to know people because he made them and died for them and loves them and wants a relationship with them because he's a good dad. I don't have to accelerate that anymore. By me simply becoming as authentic as I possibly can, I feel like he will use that to everyone's benefit because that's what he does. So, yes, I'm a Christian artist in that, you know, there's a lot of message in the music I write, but I don't put it there on purpose. I'm obsessed with songwriting. 
I don't know, it's what I tinker at, it's what I try and sell, it's what I think about all day. It's, I mean, I'm literally obsessed with songwriting. And, you know, I'm happy that there is a God and that he can use such a humble talent to help someone understand that there's more for them than just a boring life. However, I don't really feel like I can tweak that process very well. I feel like as soon as I try to do that, I just screw everything up. It's weird. It's almost like I'm a Christian artist by, by way of not being one. <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense. But again, it's honest. I hope, yeah, I mean, I, I, try, I try to be honest. I'd, I'd rather be honest and displease someone than try and please someone and be you know, fake. I, I, I don't, especially in this day and age, people have heard too many songs. They know what's what. They're not impressed by anything. Then again, I take that back. Then there's, who's that Korean dude with the weird video now on YouTube? <laughs> Gandam style? Yeah. Maybe I'm doing it all wrong. You know, maybe I'm just, you know, what is, what is that thing? I don't understand that. <laughs> I don't know. I guess it just depends if you want to start performing K-pop. <laughs> Is that the term for Korean pop? Yeah, you refer to it as K-pop. Dude, I'll tell you this much. I ate K-pop for cereal growing up as a kid. That's what K-pop means to me. <laughs> Gotta get enough my K-pop. <laughs> I have a 21-year-old that knows everything about K-pop. There's like a genre? Oh, that's huge. That's like a really big deal. I don't understand that, but that's great. Good for those guys. I just. I guess they're having fun with it. Well, you know what? That's another thing. Like, I'm just in a real serious mood right now with what I'm trying to write. I'll I'll come out of that and want music that means nothing but laughter and fun, which, in my opinion, is equally as legitimate. So, yeah, it's probably just where I'm at right now. Your latest album, We Are the 71s, came out this past August. You seem to offer up a rawer sound on the new album in comparison to your first full length. So who is the real 71s? Um, well, you know, definitely the, the latter. The first record, we teamed up with a producer who did add a bit of a shine to it. You know, and that was his contribution, and which I'm, of course, thankful for. The We Are the 71s is titled that because it's, it's very much an autobiographical kind of thing. Like, this is who we are. This is what we sound like. We, we sort of felt like we've kind of finally arrived at the thing that was dancing around in our heads. It just took a lot of years to sort of get to where we could make it sound the way we wanted to. And it's self-produced and self-mixed and, you know, you know, we, we did the artwork. I mean, we did everything. It is through and through a product of the guys in our band. So although I love some of those songs on We Are Locomotive, I really do. Um, yeah, we definitely gravitate toward the more recent thing. I mean, of course, we just made it, but... It was a perpetual growth toward that sound. That's maybe the best way to say it. Tell me, which 71 song means the most to you personally? Man, um, there's a song on Rock and Roll Reaction Volume 2, which was an EP we put out about a year ago, and it's called Angel Eyes. And um, it's my favorite song. I mean, if I could pick one song you know, to play... That's it, you know. Every night we play it, I love it. And it's sort of lending itself from the Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis, where Lewis sort of fictitiously creates this personality of, you know, what do demons talk about? You know, what is behind temptation? And regardless of, you know, what someone believes about God, I don't think you can argue with the fact that, that evil is real. 
And sometimes it has a way of finding and harming you. And sometimes it has a way of incorporating you. And that right there is a very fascinating thing that I think we as, you know, humans have to wrap our brains around that, you know, sometimes evil exists and then sometimes I'm actually part of it. So what does that mean for me as a person or as, you know, in my destiny or in eternity? Am I going to get punished for this? How do I get some redemption? And that's what Angelize is about. It's Satan talking to this person, you know, just saying, there's a loving look in my angel eyes, but my devil tongue will tell you otherwise. I'm shining like gold with the touch of a woman, but I can steal your soul before you know it's coming. Heaven in the touch, but hell in the hold. I mean, that's just been my experience with, you know, fighting with my own demons or seeing something take control of one of my friends or, I mean, not demonic, but, you know, like a dependency or some girl he shouldn't be dating or, you know, an addiction to this thing or whatever. But, you know, I studied a lot of psychology in college, so this kind of stuff fascinates me. And the interest in psychology is coming to play a part of your music. And the riff's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, me and the drummer wrote it. And um, I was listening to this band a lot called Death From Above 1979. They only put out one record. I saw them play just a few weeks ago. That's quite a band. Those guys are monsters. I love that band so much. And so now if you go back, you'll, you'll hear it. And so that was it. You know, it was sort of me going, writing this two-piece with a drummer and my guitar. And then we had the whole band. So we're like, well, we got to play with everybody. But that's what I just wanted the thing to sound as rough as it possibly could. Yeah, that that record, you know, she, you know, you're a woman, I'm a man. That's probably one of my favorite records of all time. Because that's one thing that was sad about Death from Above is, you know, they put out that one record, and I mean, they got another EP, but it wasn't nearly as good in my opinion. And they just they need more. I need like ten more of those records. Yeah, those guys. I mean, they just destroyed. It's the only way to say it. What's the most fun thing that the 71s have ever done? Huh. Well, you know, we don't exactly live in the life of luxury. You know, we scrape by. We work really hard and, you know, put people in a club and drive to the next town. And But I remember there was this one night where we went to, you know, Corpus Christi, which is on the coast of Texas, Gulf of Mexico. It's not like the nicest beach in the world, but it's... It's really nice. And, and, and so we get there, we pull into town, and we did our sound check. And this club was like right next to the beach. And I had my longboard, and I just rode up and down the boardwalk. And then we just sat down and, you know, had a couple beers or whatever. And then we went and played the show. And I just thought, man, this is the greatest thing I've ever imagined doing as a kid. Like, I get to ride my skateboard, drink Blue Moon beer, and play rock and roll tonight. This is amazing. You know, we've played some bigger shows. We've opened for some of the American Idol people, played on some tours with, you know, some bands that are making their way all the way up to you guys. There's a band called um, Bright Light Social Hour. They're blowing up. We toured with those guys for a while. And, and, you know, although we played for more people, it's kind of moments like that where, you know, sometimes you live your life to try and accomplish something. You know, you live your life to, to become great at rock and roll. And then sometimes you're just doing rock and roll and it becomes great life. Does that make sense? And that's what that day at Corpus was for me. And it changed every. I mean, it changed a lot. I just kind of realized, man, you know, I may never sell out blah, 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 arena or whatever, or club. Or I may never even make it to Canada on my own songs, but I'll hate myself if I miss days like that. And 
So, uh, yeah, rock and roll in the 71s have kind of taught me that because I used to be a really goal-driven person and that's changed over the years. Kind of a humble answer, but, but yeah. And we've done some cool stuff. I mean, we've been on TV and we had our song on this NFL thing the other night. And, you know, that's neat, but... Especially when you're from Texas because that's the heart of football. It's everything. And, yeah, you know, all our friends call us and, oh, wow, we saw you on ESPN or whatever. You know, it's not ultimately fulfilling it's just a thing you know it's like oh yeah it's i mean it's cool but it goes away whereas those other days where you're sort of like hey this is all right you know <laughs> playing with my friends drinking beer riding skateboards about to go play a rock show all right i'll take this one <laughs> this is our final question so you're absolutely gonna have to nail this one <laughs> Is there one thing that the 71s would like to do but has never had the chance? I'll tell you, my lifetime goal, um, I would love for the 71s to do it, would be um, there's a, a show down here called Austin City Limits. And it's really historic. It's like the longest running music television show ever. And they aired on PBS all over the U.S. And I've always wanted to play that. You know, and most of the people that play Austin City Limits, you know, they sort of arrive nationally and then they get to do it. Like Black Keys just played it or Mumford and Sons, just, you know, that kind of thing. But it's really, it's very intimate. So even though these artists are playing for Coachella or headlining whatever festival, they come down and they do this, you know, 1,000 capacity venue and they film it on TV and it's the same backdrop that's been for you know, four decades. So it's always been a dream of mine to do that. I think that's a really special thing. It's kind of strips away all the hype, even when bands are at their hype, hype-ist. But, uh, but yeah, that'd be a dream come true. I'd love to play Austin City Limits. The Antidote has been speaking with Keaton Kaufman of the 71s. Keaton, thanks for your time and uh, best of success with the new album. Likewise, Dave. Thanks a lot. And you guys stay warm up there. <laughs> I'll try to. All right, take care. <laughs>